Chicago, we're very lucky comparatively to a lot of other states and cities when it comes to the ease and access of voting because voters really deserve increased flexibility and accessibility. By expanding people's uh, opportunity to vote, by giving more time, by giving more options, that is still the continued best way that we can make voting better, easier, and you know more intuitive. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erin Hegarty, and I'll be your host today. This week, we're talking elections. During the June 28th primary election, Chicagoans will be voting for governor, other statewide offices, state legislators, county offices, and likely a new Chicago ward map. Then the general election is set for November 8th. In just a mere fewer than four months later on February 28th is Chicago's municipal election, where residents are set to vote on the mayor and all 50 aldermen. How does the city prepare for all of these election events and changes in how people vote, especially coming out of a pandemic? Well, We sat down with Max Bever, Director of Public Information for the Chicago Board of Elections, to talk about election prep, the multiple ways Chicagoans can cast their ballots, and what's next for the evolution of voting in Chicago. Let's get to it. Here we have uh, Max Bever today to talk about the Board of Elections and the elections coming up, because there are a lot. Four in a row. Thanks for having me, Erin. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to be here, excited to talk to you in person. So Illinois has an election coming up in less than two months here, and most of us know the basic details. You know, June 28th, people are voting on governor, members of state legislature, county offices, statewide offices, probably a remap referendum. Um, But can you first take us through where the Board of Elections is in the process of preparing for the June 28th election? Um, What's being done? Are are machines being checked? Are locations Mm -hmm. being finalized? How do you prepare for an election? Absolutely. I mean, uh, staff is very busy at work. You're here in our office at 69 West Washington. Uh, We've got two floors here and registration department is busy at work getting people, making sure that they're double checking their registration, that they're up to date to vote for the next election. Uh, All of our vote by mail applications that are coming in because that portal's been live. And then there's our warehouse. Uh, People are very busy over there, double checking, triple checking all the voting machines, making sure that all of our tablets are charged. We both have e-poll books, electronic poll books that uh, uh, judges can look up people on the spot rather than like the old-fashioned big thick binders uh, (laughs) that used to be checked off. Uh, So all that's being checked at the warehouse right now, as well as ready to ship that equipment out to our 50-plus early voting sites and our 2,000-plus precinct polling locations. So there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into just that one-day election day. Um, And like I said, we're about to have four in a row. So this is good (laughs) practice for the next three we're going to do after June 28th. Sure. And the warehouse, what's what's the warehouse like? Is it busy? Is it loud? Is it quiet? What what's a little bit of everything? I think that you would. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I think some of our people know it as a little bit of a haunted house. Uh, It's over on a 1900 block of uh, West Pershing, and it is a big, grand old building. And the first few floors, uh, that's where you're going to see like all the voting equipment. You're going to see the precinct. They basically come in big rolling uh, bureaus is everything that fits into a polling place site uh, uh, that go into it. So it's like 
a little bit of Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> those first few floors that you just see, you know, like those blue curtains for like a mile, for a mile. Um, and then our other type of floors, it's a bit of an older building. Uh, it's getting worked on by the city right now. Um, but those store a lot of historical records then too. So uh, Board of Elections has to hold on to a lot of historical um, pieces, uh, not just our old poll books and historical books, but old voter registrations and paper copies of everything too. Um, so that is a lot of requirements that go into election law that we then have to store at this place and, uh, you know, protect and <laughs> preserve. That's fun. No, that sounds like, maybe that doesn't sound like a fun place to be for everyone, but it, it sounds interesting. And <laughs> well, I hope, that, I hope that you can come out there once uh, things are really heating up and things are getting shipped out and, you know, once ballots are being counted too. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Um, so how far in advance does the Board of Elections start preparing for, say, the June election or this kind of series of elections that are happening, you know, basically one right after the other. And and is this year any different from previous years? Mm -hmm. Well, 2021 uh, was a rare year that there was no election in the city of Chicago, but that doesn't mean the board was on vacation the entire time. I started July of last year and things were already on their way for, for prepping. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that the electronic equipment the electronic equipment that's used in elections is um, up to date, that it's fully charged, that uh, it's tamper proof. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always something going on at our warehouse. Uh, in the meantime, we're just making sure that uh, everybody knows um, what's coming up in the future, that their voter registration's up to date and trying to get more people registered to vote. Uh, so there's always something going on that's preparing for the next election and, and getting the information out about it. But now we're like fully in the midst of like preparing for the on the ground operations uh, because early voting will open on May 19th at our super sites. Uh, and then on June 13th is when it will open at all the 50 early voting sites in all 50 wards. Uh, so the super sites, where are those and how many are there? So there's one uh, that is the Chicago Election Board Annex. It's at Clark and Lake at 191 North Clark, uh, colloquially known as the Loop Super Sites. Um, but that is a, a big area that is our main early voting site leading up to the election. So uh, right now, scheduled to start at May 19th would be early voting, depending on if the ballot is uh, complete by then. Uh, there's still a few things that could be up in the air um, here, but... Uh, that is the main site that we kick everything off at. Then there are the 50 early voting sites. So there's one per ward. Uh, nice thing is, is that any voter can vote there. You do not have to be uh, in that ward to vote at any ward site, just the same way that you can go to the ward super site, you can uh, get registered to vote there, you can vote there no matter where you live within the city. That's great. So as a 32nd ward resident, I could, I could go vote in the ninth ward if I want. I could vote in the 25th ward. It, whatever early most, vote. Yeah. Whatever is most convenient for you. I'm over in Lincoln Square. I'm over in the mm -hmm. 40th ward, but I like going to Wells Park because it's just a little bit closer than the Budlong uh, Woods Library. That's awesome. I like that. Um, and this year's primary is in June, which is abnormal yep. for Illinois, correct? That is correct. Now, that's what's different, as I uh, forgot to say, is, is that June 28th is not a regular primary date. <laughs> and that was moved by legislators. Reason being that this is also what's new for voters this time around, is, is that this happens every 10 years, but after a census, legislators have to pass new district maps based off the information or their reading of that information. Now that did happen for most uh, districts within Illinois. So federal, congressional, state legislative, judicial, 
Cook County Board of Review. Uh, but what's off that list is the uh, city wards. Uh, that did not pass this year. And that's what also voters might see different on this ballot is a big referendum question in every single uh, in every single ward. Usually a referendum question ends up like in a specific ward or precinct or uh, what petitions were passed uh, to ask that question. This is one uh, I'm sure that you've been covering very closely. I have. Listeners know very well <laughs> of the map referendum question this year. Um, right now, there are two petitions that were filed, uh, likely at this point to end up on the ballots unless city council um, uh, passes an ordinance by May 19th. And if we could talk about that for just a little bit. Absolutely. Um, where is that going to be on the ballot? What information will people get on the ballot? Because it, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be, here's a here's a description of this map and its coordinates and, and the borders, right? It's just, it's basic information on, mm -hmm. on the ballot. Yeah, it's going to be at the end of the ballot. And unfortunately, there is no visual information. There is no other uh, um, information that's going to be included with that question other than saying the names of the older people that signed that petition. So as much as we would love to, you know, include all 50 maps or printouts or PDFs, it's just not... Uh, it's just not doable in this type of ballot situation mm -hmm. to be able to provide, you know, state of Illinois does not do voters guides or provide them with ballots. So this is going to be something that voters will have to research a bit beforehand. They're going to have, uh, looks like two choices mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to this question. And really the way that it's uh, uh, lined up is for the question of redistricting in the city of Chicago, do you support this option? presented by the names of all these older people or this option with the names of all these older people. So this is something that we will be communicating through the next 50 plus days. But um, if it ends up on the ballot, uh, voters will need to take a look and um, come to a decision ahead of time um, when they get to that. But they will expect to see that question at the end of the ballot. Okay. And it's you touched on this. It's not normal for for. Chicago voters to be voting on a, a ward map. One, this happens every 10 years, and it doesn't always go to referendum, right? This isn't always in the hands of, of voters? Not usually, although the last time it did happen was 1992, um, which uh, doesn't feel like that long ago, but I suppose it's, it's 30 years ago uh, at this point. Um, but this also, I think, presented why there was a lot of open questions uh, around uh, around this season. Um, when it came to election law and who can file when and, and if changes could be made, um, because this generally does not happen very often. You know, the city can pass an ordinance, it often does. Uh, that map goes into effect and new war boundaries. Um, but, you know, this is also an opportunity for voters to vote on their own ward boundaries, uh, something unique, something a bit different. And, uh, you know, once, once that question is decided, uh, that's the map that's going to go into our systems. And that's what's going to um, be the new ward boundaries uh, for the upcoming 2023 election. Man, the upcoming 2023 election. That's like, what, three elections away at, at this point? Um, how do you prepare for three elections at a time? Or is the is the 2023 mayoral election even, I mean, I'm sure it's on the radar, mm -hmm. right? We, we're just talking about it. Um, but how do you kind of spin those multiple plates all at once? A lot of stacking, as I understand it. Uh, and there's a lot of things that go into the uh, election calendar that are pieces ahead of the election unrelated to the um you know, unrelated to the infrastructure of the operations and more related to the ballot and the candidates getting on it. So uh, 
even though that we just got done with petitions and the electoral board uh, uh, season for this last election, we'll be entering a new one August 30th for the municipal election. That'll okay. be the first day that petitions to run for mayor or for older person will be available. And then the, uh, the petition filing will be, unfortunately, the week of Thanksgiving. So oh, uh, people who are planning to run and candidates, I, I do have to say right now, um, prepare for having probably no summer vacation and, and traveling around that time, because then the electoral board season will be likely around Christmas and New Year's. Um, but, you know, this is uh, working backwards from the election date in February and April. Um, this is how it's stacked up. Um, but yet, so as we are, you know, getting ready for the November 8th election, we will also be within the season of uh, collecting or having petitions filed um, for the municipal election. I hope you like coffee because that that sounds like a, a lot of work. I'd like probably... to be well caffeinated around these parts. So <laughs> yeah, and and you mentioned petition challenges. Um, we're you know coming out of that for the June mm-hmm. primary. How did that go? Were there more? Is it normal this year? Were there more challenges? Fewer challenges? What was your read on on that? The way that I understand it was that it was relatively the same as other years, mm-hmm. or I suppose. Uh, um, some of the folks in our staff was that this was, since this was my first season, I understand that this was a, a, a clearer runway. I think we had about 30 some cases. Uh, you managed them within three electoral board meetings. Um, everything went pretty smoothly. You know, uh, there, it's, it's all done at this point. Cook County is just wrapping up its last uh, Illinois State Board of Elections, um, just wrapped up theirs. So it seemed like a relatively same as it is season. Uh, I know this question, uh, I was preparing for this question, though, too, of, you know, June 28th moving the petition season, though, too. So I know a lot of candidates were very chilly when they had to uh, collect back in January and then file in March. So probably, you know, wasn't um, wasn't the most uh, friendly towards uh, being out there on the corner, you know, in front of a CTA station collecting signatures for candidates. But when it comes to municipal election, uh, they'll have it in the middle of summer into September. So hopefully they'll be a little bit warmer. All right. Or, or potentially, yeah, a lot, a lot warmer. <laughs> a lot warmer. But as, uh, I do understand from staff, though, is, is that when it comes to the municipal election, where we hear all of the cases rather than uh, Chicago Electoral Board. We share cases with the Illinois State Board. We share them with Cook County. You know, that's a reason why we have 30 versus what's likely to be probably a couple hundred uh, come for the municipal uh, because that's a lot of mayoral candidates and a lot of candidates for older people within all 50 wards. Um, And those, as I understand it, um, can get a little tense and can get uh, and can get a little complicated, but uh, you know it's it's a I think a well known process for listener for your listeners is is the petition objection season, um, but we're already getting prepared for that and we are expecting to see uh, a big number uh, for the municipal uh, election. Mm-hmm. And do you think moving the the primary election to to June is that helpful for voters? Is it does it matter? when it is for, you know, your average Chicago resident who's going to vote? Or is it, you know, they're, they're just going to show up whenever the election is? I think we're going to see. I think some of it's going to be remain to be seen about what some of our turnout and how people vote uh, for this next election. So obviously 2020 was a bit of an outlier, given that, you know, primary uh, in uh, Chicago in March was right at the beginning of shutdown Mm -hmm. and then the election later that year. Um, But we also saw record turnout. 
just a skyrocketing rate, highest that Chicago has seen a turnout in 36 years for a presidential election. And it was also the first time that we saw 70% of voters choose early voting and vote by mail. Um, part of 2020 and what Illinois legislators did was expand voting options and make it easier for people to vote by mail and give more um vote center options for the city of Chicago and expanded our early voting options. So now we have, you know, the 50 early voting sites that can stay open later. They're going to be open on election day. Uh, voters can vote in any of those type of locations. So I think what 2020 started to prove was voters will take advantage of extra convenience and flexibility rather than just voting on election day. And that's the first time that that happened, um, that 70% of voters chose a different option than uh, actual election day, that other 30%. And I think that those are some changing voting habits, which we'll probably likely see heading into this primary too. June 28th, sure, it's warmer, but you know a lot of people are out during summer, taking summer vacation, um, busy with other different obligations. So having an early voting or a vote by mail option ahead of a summer election, um, you know, we're seeing numbers in our voting vote by mail numbers getting on scale, the same scale as 2020. So uh, I think this increased flexibility and this increased convenience for voters um, will continue to be uh, taken advantage of ahead of June 28th. Um, but to, to put a cap on that question, mm. you know, a lot of people don't like change. So different dates for what people are used to uh, over and over again, or that, uh, you know, June 28th might throw some people. So we appreciate the opportunity to be able to communicate um, this date over and over again to, to your listeners. So June 28th, June 28th, June 28th. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I no longer, for a while now, I've not had to look up when, you know, the primary election is, but um yeah, I hope other people hear that and repeat it in their head too. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I've kind of, I've resisted change in my voting habits because I'm, I'm a vote on election day at my, mm -hmm. at my place. Um, see all the people who are there, ask what number voter I am. Um, but so you, would you say that like 2020 and the pandemic has changed voting? in Chicago, at least? Do you think that was kind of the, the catalyst? I would say given the numbers and the percentages we saw in 2020, it was a big catalyst for people to maybe try something different or to try a different voting option. I'm like you, you know, for, for 20 plus years in this city, I have loved voting on election day. <laughs> I mean, it was usually working at one way or another, but being up right. at 5 a.m. with the, you know, coffee, with the donuts, uh, you know, going to my precinct location, I go to uh, Gross Park, you know, uh, in, in my ward, in my precinct. Um, but over the last couple of elections, I've tried early voting. And, you know, when it came in 2020, uh, in, that I was, you know, interacting with older people in my family and everything else, you know, I chose to early vote at a time that I knew not a lot of people would be there that I could mask up. And, you know, this, I think people's experience over the last couple of elections and showing that like, oh, the trust in these methods and, and that my vote is, you know, counted and that it's not all has to be with on election day, uh, you know, gives people, I think, that freedom and gives people that confidence uh, within their voting habits to to take advantage of a lot of these different options now. No, I don't, maybe I'll early vote sometime, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm. I know I have a lot of friends who, who do it. Um, and okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the ballot, the June ballot. Mm -hmm. I think we've kind of gone over this, but what's on the ballot? Are there more, I don't know, candidates than usual, fewer candidates than usual? 
Um, is it a pretty basic ballot? Aside from the the ward map referendum that's likely going to be on the ballot, um, how does this compare to others? Well, we're able to fit everything on one page. Uh, I mean, I'll knock on wood here unless anything uh, completely changes. So that's generally on scale uh, with previous primary elections. Um, given the amount of candidates we have, uh, probably less judges uh, than some people mm-hmm. might be used to be seeing. But just to be clear, you know, this is a primary election. So this is an election where people will choose their preferred political party. They can also choose nonpartisan if they want to just vote on the referendum questions. Uh, so these are to nominate uh, the candidates for offices that they are going to vote on in November 8th. So that includes federal offices like senator and congressperson, the top statewide offices like governor, Attorney General, Secretary of State, Treasurer, Comptroller, the county offices, as well as judges from the circuit and the appellate court. So it's still a pretty full ballot, even though that it all fits onto one page. And then those winning candidates are going to move on for voters to choose in November 8th, uh, you know, it's traditionally known as the gubernatorial election, since most of it is state uh, and local uh, focused. No, and I love that word. I love saying gubernatorial. Mm-hmm. Um, it just rolls right off the top. It's a yeah. little guttural stop. Too. It is. It's and and you, you get to say goober and <laughs> refer to, you know, a, a, refer a to governor election. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the goober election. Um, is there, you know, y- you've been working with the Board of Elections, you said, since the, for almost a year now? Is almost that a year, yeah. almost a year now? Mm-hmm. Um, is voting becoming easier and is that just in Illinois or Chicago? And what could be done to make voting even easier or to give people fewer excuses? Like, you know, we talk about you can early vote. So if you're going on going to be on vacation June 28th, you know, you, you have a chance to vote before you leave. You can vote by mail. So if you don't mm-hmm. want to go in person, you know, y- you don't have to. If you want to sit at your kitchen table and and look at all of your options and, and really research them. You can, you can do that. You have that time, which is really awesome. But I don't know. What's next? How do we make this easier? <laughs> yeah, my boss is going to be very happy you asked this question. But uh, that is the goal. You know, I would say Illinois and Chicago were very lucky comparatively to a lot of other states and cities when it comes to the ease and access of voting because voters really deserve increased flexibility and accessibility. When you try to have 1.6 million people vote on one day in very specific locations, that's when you start seeing lines. That's when you start seeing people throw up their hands and say, well, maybe I just won't vote this year. I don't have the time. I need to get back home. I need to go to work. By expanding people's uh, opportunity to vote, by giving more time, by giving more options, that is still the continued best way that we can make voting better, easier, and you know more intuitive. Um, because as you might imagine, it's also pretty expensive and time consuming uh, to prepare for these elections when it comes for election day. I mean, that's training and preparing staff. And you know we've got 2,069 precincts. So that is a polling place in all of those 2,069 precincts. And you know, as much as I love my precinct polling location, and I love you know a lot of them that I've lived in the city of Chicago, the truth is is that not all of them are accessible to all voters. Not all of them are around forever. And you know what we saw after 2020 is is that there's a lot less private businesses and a lot less traditional polling places that want to be involved as polling places uh, post pandemic or businesses that closed. So you know this is. Looking towards the future of not just expanding vote by mail and early voting options, but that other word that I used before, you know, that we consider our early voting centers, but vote centers. 
uh, is probably the best way to say it, is, is that a location where anybody in the city of Chicago can go in and to vote. So uh, whether this is a, a dirty term or not, but precinct consolidation is also something looking forward to the future that the Chicago Board of Elections supports. Um, again, this is not specifically wanting to take away people's polling locations or, or change their voting habits, but it is just something that is... Um, you know, it's more cost effective and it's more effective for voters to be able to walk into any location rather than saying you can only go to this precinct, you can only go to it on this day, and you can only go to it during, you know, this this 10, this 11 hour period. So consolidating precincts as well as expanding the creation of these voting centers, um, you know, would continue to improve this convenience for voters. And so that's something we'll likely see, you know, in 2024 or, or moving forward from here. Um, but that's another way that we can, you know, continue to continue to make it easier for Chicagoans to vote. Mm -hmm. And when you say voting centers, is that like the United Center? It, it could in, be. In, what was that, 2020? <laughs> that was um, 2020. Thankfully, we did have um, some great partners. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of organizations and a lot of places uh, stepped up. Uh, 2020 was also the first year that you saw secure drop boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, 2020 was, uh, you know, also the expansion of vote by mail was happening at the same time. I think a lot of people had concerns about the post office and, and you know, delays and what was being seen in, in a lot of the management. So there was the creation uh, from legislators for secure drop boxes. Those are coming back for uh, 2022. You'll see those at all 50 early voting sites. So if you vote by mail and, you know, you don't want to put it into the regular USPS system or it's raining that day or, you know, you're dropping by the library anyway, you can take your ballot with you within your secured ballot return envelope once it's sealed and put it in a secure drop box. Um, we doesn't look like we're going to have United Center as an actual polling place this year as well as other places, but I hope in the near future to announce, uh, you know, I think it's very close. Uh, and again, I hope not getting in trouble, but <laughs> Wrigley Field just signed a letter uh, for a Dropbox on election day. It looks like we'll have some additional Dropbox uh, locations that we'll announce for election day, just as kind of like a last minute for people. So, you know, if you end up going to a Cubs game and realize, oh, I didn't turn in my ballot yet, you know, and I really want it to be postmarked this day, you can still bring it into a secure Dropbox at additional places. That's awesome. No, I, I think voting's fun by itself, mm -hmm. but I think to, you know, in 2020 to, for some people to be able to say, I've, I voted at the United Center and it's kind of a I mean, it's not in the smack dab middle of the city, but it's a central location in the city and easy for a lot of people to get to. But yeah, if you can say, yeah, I dropped off my my ballot at Wrigley Field and then went to a game. I don't know that I'm just, more of a Sox like fan, a but Chicago it'd be win, fun. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can kill two birds with one stone there. Mm -hmm. um, and we've really touched on this already, but people can vote on Election Day. They can vote before Election Day. They can vote early. Um can you talk just a little bit more about vote by mail and how people get set up to do to to vote by mail if they haven't done that before? Absolutely. Thank you. It gives me an opportunity to talk about the last new thing I think that voters will be seeing this year, too. So part of the expansion of vote by mail is, is that anybody can do it. There's no excuse that you need. There's no reason you don't have to be out of town. You can just request your vote by mail ballot. And like I said, you can return that in USPS, you return that to us at our headquarters, you can put that in a secure Dropbox. And, you know, just to repeat it one more time, you can always choose whatever way you want to vote in Chicago. So if you've voted by mail in the past, you can early vote, you can vote in person, you can choose whatever way you want to vote every single election rather than um, being uh, put into... 
You can choose whatever way you want to vote in any election without having to do it again and again, except if you want to, because this is something that was new that was just passed by legislators last year, too, is to join something called the permanent vote by mail roster. And that is a question that people are seeing right now as part of their vote by mail applications, either online or over by paper, is, is that you can also request to receive your vote by mail ballot um, permanently moving forward. Um, so there's a couple of options for that. Right now, people who are applying to vote by mail can either choose, uh, there's three boxes uh, that are included in this application, to receive it just for this next election alone. That just means I just want to vote by mail and then I'll figure out what I want to do later or I'll apply then. Um, you can choose to be put onto the permanent vote by mail roster for non-primary elections. So it's actually getting a head start applying for the November 8th election uh, and receiving everything that doesn't require a political party. Or you can join the permanent vote by mail roster and receive your ballots at home for all primaries uh, and all uh, general elections, all municipal elections moving forward. But that does require you to choose a preferred political party. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing that Illinois and Chicago voters, you do not, you, even though that you choose a political party, you are not necessarily you're not forever registered under that political party, nor do you have to contact us to say that, you know, I want to change my uh, political party affiliation. You just request that for every primary ballot that you request. So, um, you know, you, you for this election, choose your political per, per preferred party. They'll ask you that again moving forward. Um, even joining this permanent vote by mail roster list, you can choose it now. You can change it later. Um, so unlike other states, you're not registered under one party, but you can only still only request one ballot for primary. So you do have to choose. You, you, you can't come in and want like a sample flavor like Baskin Robbins and say like, I want to vote on all the ballots. You, you do get to only pick one primary ballot. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, you, you can't like, well, I'm going to vote, you know, for, for governor on, on paper. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm going to go in person to vote on the map, map referendum. That I would be a green party ballot for chaotic. this one. And I want a referendum ballot for this one. No, you do have to choose one, but, um, you know, it, it is not something that is going to, uh, be permanent, you know, on your permanent mm -hmm. record. <laughs> and if I sign up for the permanent vote by mail roster and, then I decide, you know what, this is a big election. I don't want to vote by mail. I want to go in person. I can still go in person. As long as I'm only voting once, I can still choose you to can. go in person. If you have applied to vote by mail and, you know, before you receive your ballot, you can contact us and say, I've changed my mind. Even after you've received your ballot, even, you know, leading up until the last election days, you can take that ballot with you to one of the polling place locations, um, surrender it, and then also vote in person. So, you know, one vote, one person, um, whatever way that you choose, uh, you can do so. Okay. And I guess kind of, I don't know, a last fun question, unless you have anything that we haven't touched on, but um, what what's fun about working for the Board of Elections? Or is it not fun? I, I think it would be fun, <laughs> but um, what are the fun parts? I think that it's a lot of fun. I, you know, we were just chatting before this, but I came for to hear from the ACLU of Illinois, you know, another nonpartisan uh, organization and coming here, it's very nice to be kind of focused on one thing. There's a lot going on at the Chicago Board of Elections, but we're supporting people's right to vote. And there's really, you know, as a communications professional, sharing a lot of good news uh, for the first time, I think, in my life and my career that's mostly of, here's your deadline, here's your opportunity. It's, it's a good opportunity to be an optimist, mm -hmm. I feel like, as, as a professional over at the Board of Elections. Um, and I'm about to 
go into my first, and like I said, then three more pretty soon after that. Um, but I think that we are at a great opportunity here in the city of Chicago, um, not just the expansion of options for people to vote, but we'd love to see and hang on to this uh, high voter turnout. Um, and that is one of our main goals here is to just continue to um, educate people of their rights, but also get those options out there so we can keep this uh, high uh, voting rate up. And, you know, we get competitive with other cities. We get competitive <laughs> with other jurisdictions in Illinois. Um, we've got a lot of people, uh, you know, it's a city of about 3 million or under that. We have about 1.6 million people registered. We'd like to see more people registered to vote, too. So part of the fun for me then is also, you know, once we get past this, getting in the season where we work with community groups in person again after these long two years of the pandemic, doing a lot more in-person events that we can um, register people to vote and, and get the word out. Um, and then also we have an amazing uh, community uh, service team that works with a lot of different language groups. Um, so, you know, as you know, from seeing our website or, or what we do with our ballots, you know, we also translate and, and these into many other different languages, mm -hmm. uh, specifically Spanish, Chinese, Hindi, Polish, Korean, Tagalog. Uh, our touchscreen options go a bit further. We work with the county on that too. So expanding the um, uh, language options and, and reaching more people in the community is, is also a goal of ours. And, you know, a lot of fun for me too. Mm -hmm. I guess, sorry to do this. I have two no, more no. questions, right? actually. Can we talk a little more about consolidation, precinct consolidation? Mm -hmm. I know that's something that I was interested in may have been mentioned like during a, a budget hearing but when you it, it'd be hard to do it now right because we're in this kind of busy Absolutely, season here yeah. but why and yeah will people be sad that like oh man i have one of those cool locations in chicago where i'm voting in a bar <laughs> and like how dare you take away mm -hmm. this like weird little thing that most people don't get to do vote in vote in a bar um, but yeah, why, why precinct consolidation? Is it, does it help save money? Is it less confusing? What? I'd say yes to all the above. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also will say, you know, I know change is hard, you know, especially something as routine based as voting and as, you know, something as familiar as going to the same places and, and the same routines as voting. But, you know, it, it is a little bit of what the future looks like, um, when it comes to, the amount of infrastructure and the amount of uh, investment uh, that we put into our elections. Um, like I said, you know, having uh, this many precincts is, you know, makes it a very full election day, but it also mm -hmm. means that, you know, we have 13,000 election judge and election coordinator positions that we need to fill for election day every single election. So twice this year, um, you know, and that's getting a little bit harder to do um, as well as, you know, the amount of equipment needed as technology, you know, improves. It's, you know, more equipment is more expensive rather than, you know, marking things down in books uh, <laughs> like they did for decades in Chicago <laughs> or, you know, counting ballots by hand. Um, so precinct consolidation ultimately, you know, helps drive that goal. Mm -hmm. um, precinct polling places are never going away and it will all, and people will always be voting on election day. Um, but, you know, we're moving 250, we're moving 500, you know, in 2024 to get a start. Um, you know, this will help improve that, not just cost effectiveness, but, you know, finding locations that are definitely more accessible. Uh, finding election judges, um, uh, more bilingual election judges or where we need to put more people um, rather than precinct locations that, you know, don't see a lot of voters on election day anymore. I think ultimately that's what 
people are seeing, and, and that's what will support some of this change, though, too, is, you know, uh, precinct polling places that used to see lines, you know, around the block now see maybe 50 people, you know, on election day. And some of that is just going to have to look and be kind of like, okay, what precincts, you know, could be consolidated here. Sure. Um, but really the main goal is, is to take a look and it will take years. You know, this is something that can't be done uh, relatively quickly. Um, and to take a look at the numbers and see which precincts and which wards would benefit from more of this consolidation over others. Um, you know, and again, in most of these locations, it's still like really sending pers uh, somebody maybe a block or a block or two away um, to, to a similar location. But we also know that that also takes time to communicate, especially to our senior population, mm -hmm. to uh, prepare uh, and, you know, change their routines. Um, so a lot of this will take time, though, too, which is why we're very happy to talk about it, because I think it lays a little bit of this groundwork and uh, gets people to understand why it's necessary. So it doesn't sound like what other states are like doing by shutting down traditional polling places or consolidating for other different goals. The consolidation here within Chicago is to also then invest in vote centers where anybody can go to or that, uh, again, convenience of being like, oh, that's much closer to my work. That's uh, open all day long. I can go during my lunch hour right again, rather than focusing just on these locations for Election Day. Voting seems like it's becoming like more tenuous or more at maybe not in, in Chicago or, or Illinois specifically, but in, you know, other places throughout the country. Are there any like threats to voting in Ch Chicago specifically or Illinois? Or, I mean, I'm sure there's always cyber mm -hmm. stuff that people are working very hard to make sure that we're protected against, but well, I think you just named it, you know, for, for as much as I think uh, our elected officials invest in voting and Illinois and Chicago hopefully serve as a great case study um, and as a good example for, for voter turnout, um, you know, elections and voting is more precarious than ever in, in 2022 um, because there are those cybersecurity attacks, there are those misinformation attacks, there is... Um, just a lot more out there that puts things at risk. So, you know, here at the Chicago Board of Elections, we've got a crack cybersecurity team. You know, while everything is now uh, electronic, everything is still counted through a paper ballot. Mm -hmm. So even if you vote, you know, at an early voting site on a touch screen, that's printing out an actual ballot for you that's got your specific voter registration number within a QR code there that's counted once, that's put into the machine. So it's still, and none of the machines are connected to the internet okay. and, and everything else that is part of this is very specifically protected against cybersecurity attacks. But, you know, as, as unfortunately criminals and, and misdoers, <laughs> that's the wrong term, I suppose. But, you know, as, as unfortunately as, as a lot more criminals uh, get smarter on, on, um, in, on the cyber front, we have to do a lot more investment and think a lot more time into protecting uh, our systems here at the Chicago Board of Elections. And that's where we thank, you know, both the city of Chicago and Cook County. Uh, we share a budget between both of those mm -hmm. uh, that the Board of Elections uh, has been doing this year after year and is uh, better prepared um, uh, ahead of uh, elections moving forward. Okay, great. That's the questions I have for you. Is there anything we haven't touched on that uh, you're just itching to talk about oh, this is why i like podcasting Aaron, because you gave me such an opportunity to like rattle off all of my favorite talking points and then we could just have a conversation <laughs> right 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 
Um, okay, great. Well, thank you for uh, talking to me today. Like I said, it's it's nice to be nice to see the Board of Elections office. It's nice to be downtown and, and great to be talking to people in person again. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity. This episode of the Cloudcast was produced by me, Erin Hegerton, and edited by Alex Nick. We'll have another episode of the Cloudcast ready for your listening ears in two weeks.